Good morning, and welcome to our program, Our American Heritage. I am the host, Arch Hunter, and it's our desire to Our American Heritage to explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. Understanding the history of this great nation is paramount in understanding our greatness. And today, we are very pleased to have a, a very special guest, uh, Howie Allen and his son, Brad Allen. So, gentlemen, welcome back to the well, – Howie, welcome back, and Brad, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks. Nice for being here. Thank you. And Howie, if you would, because you have told me a lot, and rightfully so, you're very proud of your son. Would you introduce your son uh, to the audience for us, please? I would be happy to do that. Uh, My son, Bradley Allen, is a lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserves. He just came back from a one-year deployment two weeks ago, where he uh, had spent almost a year in the Middle East. Uh, And again, he has went into the Army Reserves, uh, when he, and I, I don't want to steal his thunder, but he went into the Army Reserves at 17 years old mm. and he stayed in, and today is, and today is uh, just recently shared his, had his 51st birthday. Uh, so uh, very proud of him and very happy to have him home safely from Jordan, which is right next to what's everything that's going on in Israel. Mm. And Brad, should I call you Bradley or Brad? I know your father calls you Brad. Brad's fine. Thank yeah, you. Bradley. Okay. Bradley's what, the official name. <laughs> what, what does mom call you, Brad? Only Bradley when I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that I know that for sure when I'm here. So, Brad, first of all, again, I personally thank you for your service to our nation. And I know people say that all the time, but there's Brad, there's millions of us who are so grateful for everyone who, who serves our nation to keep us free. And for you to, to have this as a career and go in at such a young age, uh, it, it is very touching. To me personally, to knowing that there are a lot of people like you who are serving our nation, and it's a hard, a heartfelt thanks from me to you, to your family, uh, for serving this great nation and, and keeping us free. So, uh, thank you for, for for doing that, and it's well meant and well well felt from my particular point of view. So, thank you. It's my pleasure. Tell, tell us, Brad, you were 17 when you went into the military. Uh, why do you? Why did you decide to go in at, at, at a young age? And and then I have a follow-up question after that. Yeah, sure. I uh, wasn't really sure college was for me, but I knew I was a slow learner, and I felt like uh, I needed to have some independence, um, and I wanted to, you know, have education as a background. I knew my dad joined the Air Force. I uh, used the GI Bill and some other things. I knew I had an uncle that was in the Navy. I had another uncle that was in the uh, Marines. Um, and it was all a good start for them. So I just uh, decided, you know, I wanted to be independent. And I uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, I knew that the military would kind of help me find my way. And why did you decide to go into uh, into the Army? Why, why, why that branch of the service? Yeah, it was the biggest branch. So uh, unlike my dad, he joined the Air Force. He's a little more uh, humble than uh, than I am sometimes. Uh, and uh, he he joined the Air Force because that's where all the smart people go. I wasn't smart <laughs> enough to get in the Air Force. Um, if I had my daughters uh, join, uh, I'd have them go in the Air Force too. Um, so just really kind of by, um, I knew it was the largest one. I didn't really know what exactly what I wanted to do. I knew there was options to move around. Uh, you know, thought I knew I was good in math, uh, wanted, you know, thought about being an engineer, uh, didn't really even know how to spell engineering. Um, so kind of joined the military uh, to give myself uh, some sort of a stepping stone into whatever it is that I wanted to figure out that I um, could do as an adult. 
um, and and also considered, you know, I knew that the the Air Force, uh, the Army, every branch of service has some sort of uh, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up, obviously, with my dad uh, was my first commander uh, in 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 the, of the household. Uh, he he retired as a major in the state police, so uh, you know he showed me what career progression was. Uh, so always started out at the bottom, worked really hard, and uh, you know made sergeant, lieutenant, captain, BCI, FBI, you know, um, all the way to to command. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had the the military um, chain of command structure in my head. So the military seemed like it was a good way for me to start. Uh, and I kind of did know the, the chain of command in the state police, um, and, and to try to stay, keep myself out of trouble, although I didn't do that so well. <laughs> and I, I think I we will, all go ahead. Go ahead. Abby, sorry. I will jump in here and tell you that I told Brad that when he, after he had several years in the military, that I wouldn't salute him until, until he got a higher rank than me. So now today <laughs> I have, I do have to salute him because he's, he's a Lieutenant Colonel and I only made major. <laughs> well, Brad, this is a little off topic, but growing up in your home, who was the one you feared more when you got in trouble, mom or dad? Oh, yeah, there was that was mom would say that, too. It's wait till your dad gets home. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the answer you got. OK, so. So, yeah, no, everybody knew he was the commander and you need you needed to, to, to do the right thing. So his Air Force background and his military background um, helped me. Uh, you know, do well as a young soldier too, because I already had the background in my house. I I did like structure, um, but I didn't always like the military structure. Sure. Um, you know, so so yeah, it was it was great uh, growing up uh, with understanding the chain of command and understanding career progression and understanding like what it's like to to have a uh, a commander in your house mm-hmm. and a commander lead everybody, all his friends that came over, all the family. Um, the, the state police, like the military, um, is a family. Um, the, the, the people that I knew growing up, uh, you know, were, were friends of my dad through the state police family as well. Um, and that's what I've learned in the military is, you know, it's the people that you're around, the people you work for, um, all the people that are in the service, um, they're the ones that make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just need to provide a little bit of leadership to them that you learn along the way. And, you know, uh, true story. My dad would not salute me till I, uh, <laughs> till I made Lieutenant Colonel. Um, but he, but he still outranks me as, uh, you know, a dad. So, and now he, I got to promote him cause I was lucky enough to have two, two wonderful daughters. So now he's a grandfather. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you about a little bit of your, uh, if you would share with the listeners a personal level, a little bit of your own personal family. Yeah, so I have two daughters that go to Florida State University. Um, again, you know, wonderful to, to have a family that uh, is loving and caring and then also have grandparents that, you know, show you what love and support of a family is because I've had that my whole life. Um, you know, so having two wonderful daughters uh, and then being in the military uh, is, a, is a tough balance. Uh, luckily, they're now on this, on this last deployment that I've done um, was – um, was a little easier because they're already a little self-sufficient um, in college. But, uh, you know, what I feel like the military and my family life has provided for myself as my dad um, uh, had a previous show was it, it shows a little bit of uh, sacrifice and a little bit of um, what you want to do 
with a little bit of hard work and a little bit of uh, uh, expertise and some passion that you have. And the passion that I had was, you know, wanting to give back to the community and wanting to give back to, to other, um, other organizations and to be part of an organization as premier as our United States military Mm -hmm. and becoming an officer in an elite group, uh, you know, had a good, uh, a good run and a good path. uh, And I'm close to retirement now, like my dad. And how now, Brett, a lot of people don't realize that when uh, someone in our military is be, is deployed, that you know they're leaving a lot of they're leaving a lot of family to to go and do that. And so there's a sacrifice for the family to have their their loved one deployed and and gone for a certain amount of time. And that that should never be overlooked uh, in our country with the sacrifice that families make in having their their loved one, uh, their family member deployed and gone for a certain amount of time. Yes, that's that is tough. Uh, tough saying goodbye because uh, you, you hope to come back. Uh, but it's it's never uh, it's never goodbye for me. It's always see you later. Sure. Uh, since, since, uh, you know, nine 11 kind of changed the world. So I think most people are, are kind of immune to deployments. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that the military does a great job of, of trying to integrate families and be able to try to make sure that they understand that they're, uh, supported while the soldier's gone. And then also that, um, you know, that, that welcoming back, uh, that I just had, uh, as hard as it is, you know, you realize your whole life is just went on pause for a year. And when you do that for a couple of years, it's, it's very difficult to try to be able to, um, you know, jump right back to where you were sure, sure. Uh, because families, families still, um, you know, there's a sacrifice with that family. I say, you know, the other one that needs the award is the family that supports you while you're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things they have to take care of, uh, you know, I call my, my dad's been my mailman my uh, landlord and everything else while I've been gone uh, because my kids are uh, uh, up in uh, Florida state and uh, being a single parent, you just, uh, there's a lot of responsibilities. Um, So having that family support and letting them know how much you appreciate them when you come back is also um, the most important part of, of your welcome. Sure. And Howie, let me let me jump in here. How do you, as a parent, you and Patty as parents, how do you? What's the process, mental process you go through when your son is deployed? Arch, I got to tell you, I, I get emotional when I mm-hmm. say this, but it's it's been one of the toughest years of her life. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, not knowing if he'll be home safely, uh, you know. And I, I again, Brad, will tell you that I've I. I I've done his mail. I've done everything I can do for him. But the one thing you can't do is hug him. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, it is an emotional time. And, but it's a time that we certainly were anxious for his homecoming. And I think we gave him a nice homecoming, put up a nice big banner at his house. And we're so pleased to have him home safely. And I know over the past several weeks, uh, when you and Patty were telling me that, uh, Brad was coming home in in three weeks and two weeks and then a week. I I I, I saw that 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 the emotion that's there. And listeners, that's another part of the sacrifice that oftentimes that a lot of people don't realize what the what the families of someone in the military goes through in, in when they're away and and the sacrifice that they all make. Uh, to well, serve we've never been children. apart. We've never been apart for this long before in the fifty-one years of his life. You know, so it's. Uh, 
it is a it is a, a trying and emotional time. I, I would would love I, because I don't have not been in the military. I can only tell you that that it's something that, that that's just very, very would be very very difficult to have to go through. Um, so Brad, share with us, please. Uh, what exactly what your responsibility has been or, or is in the Army Reserves? Well, I didn't grow up as a farmer like my dad, but I've become, <laughs> a, I've become a jack of all trades. Uh, uh, that's the word that comes to mind um, in the military. Um, after I'm, I'm a logistics officer by trade. I started off as making ID cards. Uh, like I said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I um, always was good at math. And uh, when I... Uh, joined the military, you know, that analytical work, uh, the strategic work, the um, the sense of duty, and then and then the selfless service that you have that goes with all your skills. Um, you know, I mean, when people ask me where I've been, what I've done, who I've trained, it's like I could talk for hours. Um, so, you know, one of the, the first things that became difficult and made people understand how does a logistics officer become an expert in improvised explosive devices? And you go, well, 9-11 did that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, what do you do? You get picked on a team by, uh, you know, another colonel, another general, and you're asked to solve the most complex problems in the world, which is what uh, I've got, had, have had the fortune to do under a lot of really good leadership. Um, so the, the experiences and the opportunities beyond travel and beyond getting to meet different people um, I, it's just been a wealth of leadership opportunities. When you take an oath of office to become an officer in the military, you really don't know what it's going to be. You know what your branch is, but you don't know what it means until something happens. Sure. Um, so, so, so to me, most of the stuff I do uh, across dif- different, uh, you know, entities has to do with leadership and people. And that's why I say, uh, you know, um, the military has provides an opportunity for all different types of people in the military. Uh, my young time uh, and some of my most fond days of, of being an officer is when I was a fuel officer. And it's basically like setting up the biggest uh, buckies in the middle of the desert. With, and you don't want to line there either because that's the, uh, uh, the experience that you had. So mm-hmm. as a fuel officer, uh, that's how I started as logistics, um, setting up and being able to pump 2 million gallons of fuel in the middle of the, of the desert in a day, that's quite a capability. Um, and, and so, so that's why being part of the, uh, the military and the army in particular, um, the biggest branch, uh, the biggest, uh, entity was, was the army, um, the air force. Yes. They're self-sufficient. The, the Navy is too. So are the Marines, even though they, they partner together, but my experiences across the army, has been, you know, grand and lots of different uh, opportunities, uh, even though you have a niche um, like logistics, uh, it, you know, it changes based on um, the day. Um, so, so that's kind of where, you know, my life started is becoming a, a problem solver, a young um, uh, math, mathematician that didn't know what I wanted to do, and then always parlaying whatever I did in the civilian world with something that supported the military because I knew there was going to be another day when something happened that the, uh, you know, I was going to be called out and I wanted to be part of that, that process, um, you know, to make things better for other generations, better for my children. 
you know, uh, you know, so, so that's how, how and why I've always served is uh, give myself a path uh, for education and, uh, and other benefits, but to be able to make things better for, for others. And that is, that is what I believe more and more Americans, Brad and how we are beginning to see as we're getting farther and farther away from uh, the Vietnam era and how our military was treated, the, the, the this, ultimate utmost respect and gratitude that so many Americans have more Americans now have for what our military is doing for us on a daily basis. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you a personal question and feel free that you don't have to answer the question. And if you don't, I, I totally understand. And I would like to would like to for both of you to answer this question. Uh, would you be in favor of continuing to have a voluntary military or going back to somewhat of a draft? How you went in during the year when we had a draft and Brad, you went in when, we, when our military is totally a volunteer. So what if you'd like to share with your thoughts on that or if you don't, I would I understand. Oh, well, I'll, I'll go first. OK, yeah, I'll go first. I'll just say, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't ever really worry about a draft because I knew I wanted to be a service member. Um, but those that that um, that maybe are a little reluctant to, to, to put their life on the line for no reason, um, they they that's when the nation needs a draft. Um, and right now, I do know there's a recruiting problem across the you know the force be, just because of the sheer numbers of conflicts across the globe. Mm -hmm. um, so so to me. I, I tell um, high school kids, and I've spoke at high schools and well, middle school and, and elementary schools and my kids' school uh, since they started school, and I've always had another job other than being in the military, but I've always gone in with my uniform on just for that, you know, to show people if you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know the right structure, if you don't have a plan for your education, you know, you get a skill in the military. So I think everybody should Okay. be required out of high school to do a year or two of service like other like other foreign countries do mm -hmm. um so personally i think it's a good a good thing to to just um be able to like like i said for a recruiting effort to be able to have people understand the military benefits sure but, um the, the draft is not a uh is not anything that ever you know concerned me i i think we should all be in the military and Brad and I have never never talked about this before, but I'm glad you asked that question, Arch, uh, because I I am totally with on board with Brad that I I think everyone should serve a little bit of time in the military. I think it's a time that you grow up, you get some independence, you uh, you grow up in a hurry, uh, and you learn to not depend on mommy and daddy for everything. Uh, and Brad was a lot like that. He didn't depend on us for a lot of stuff. Uh, he 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 did it as himself. And and uh, you know as far from so I really think that it it does good for everyone to have some time to learn discipline, learn respect, and get some independence while they're in the military. And uh, Brad missed a couple of things that he uh, as he told you before that he uh, he's tied a lot of his uh, military experience. He worked for Lockheed Martin. Uh, for a few years, he's he's done a lot of different things over the years, and uh, and a lot of it tied into his military experience as well. And and, and I but thank you both for answering that question because obviously we know that that is uh, more and more every year. It seems like it's a more hotly debated topic uh, about our military. Should everybody serve mandatorily for a year or two years a after high school? Um, 
So, Brad, but it, but at least go through basic training. Basic, basic training. training's where you grow up a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And Brad, where did you do your basic training? So I did my basic training in Fort Dix, New Jersey, um, and I've been back there uh, nine times, and I still. Uh, wonder why I went there the first time. <laughs> uh, but it's been the best decision I've ever made, you know, um, you know, joining the military and, uh, and then living right outside of Fort Dix, New Jersey. Both my daughters were born outside of New Jersey and Willingboro. And I was there through the whole 9-11 uh, period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I went to, went to um, uh, school in a small, small little place in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, Mercyhurst College, uh, who did their program through, through Gannon. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was lucky to be able to continue my education, continue my sports, continue uh, learning and continuing to serve in the military all at the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just have, has been, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do when, when I have to hang up my uniform because it's what I've been doing for 34 years. Mm-hmm. And and you're still a very young man, so you have that ability to, to either uh, would you, would you have you thought about possibly staying in the military? Well, yeah, there, that's a little complex, but um, but there there is after you serve 28 years as a as a commissioned officer, um, they do want uh, you know the new ranks to to grow, so they do have a mandatory retirement date um for for me that ends this june um i did ask for a waiver for that so yes um i am i asked for another four years in the military don't know that i'll get it because it'll, it's based on the army needs um and if i do get it uh, i'll be pl- proud to uh do a follow-up uh, at year 38 when i finish up <laughs> okay now we're, we're about a minute and a half left brad so uh, if you could answer this question how you went your last tour you were in jordan uh, how did the Jordanians uh, act towards you, you, you all in the military, if you had interaction with the Jordanians? Uh, the, the Jordanians are amazing. And uh, the foreign relations that we have in our, across our military and the, the strategy and the, and the relationships we have are amazing. So um, uh, you, you do make friends, you do make um, relationships. And, and of course, you know, we, we don't even really talk about what we do in the military. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things is, uh, you know, operational security. Um, my dad and I talked mostly about <laughs> um, military operations, uh, you know, from a from a his military police perspective, and the operational security that we have, and the things that he even started your other program with, um, how important it is to to um, secure your force and your assets uh, mm-hmm. and your your military hangars and the things that my dad talked about at Griffiths Air Force Base um, that. Those there's no military function goes unnoticed, right. um, and 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 every one of our allies is important. Uh, we we still strive for for world peace, but I I don't think we're going to get there on your show. No, <laughs> no. So and again, unfortunately, uh, time just goes by so quickly. So uh, unfortunately, yes. we're we're out of time for this segment. So Brad Allen, Bradley Allen, thank you for serving our countries. Thank you for everything that you are doing to serve our country. And I personally want to thank you for coming onto the show with your father today and sharing somewhat of your experience in the, at the Army Reserve. Howie, thank you for coming back and sharing a, a little bit with us about your son and all that you have done. And, and you're a proud papa, Howie, and you have every right to be. And Brad, uh, we appreciate what you are doing and, and doing for for all of us in, in our nation. So, gentlemen, thank you both for coming and, and sharing with our listeners. Uh, and, and thank you for having us on.
Oh, it, it, Our it's, pleasure. It's been my pleasure. No, we're not going to fight over this, Brad. It's <laughs> my pleasure to have both you on uh, and to give more respect and more uh, information to our listeners about uh, people who serve in our military and what they go through. So, again, gentlemen, thank you for, for sharing with us. And this is the first time a father-son has been on together. So you're pioneers in on this program. So thank you both. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. This is 1180 AM WFYL, Working for Your Liberty.